How to Have a Miserable Life on episode 25 of To Know Him More. Hey friends, Kristen Hunt here. I am looking at the first few verses of Psalm 1. And as I was putting this together, I was listening to different sermons from people that I trust and trying to look into the history and the language and trying to pursue proper hermeneutics. And I ended up on YouTube, which gotta say, it's a scary place on there. And I was so surprised to see that Psalm 1 is not only being touted by those who claimed Christianity, but also those who see the chapter as like a lotto ticket of sorts. And there were recorded sessions on how to pray Psalm 1 for power and prosperity and how to summon wealth and goodness into your life through reading it and and others who were channeling demonic powers through writing the things that they were desiring on a three by five card, spraying it with different perfumes who um, somehow were attached to these different gods and um, lighting candles and it was wild, wild stuff. It was absolutely ridiculous. And to realize that this is a very, very real thing. There are people looking into scripture, seeing that there is promises of, of, of blessedness and they want that, but they don't understand where that blessed state comes from. And instead of seeking Jesus, who is the source of that blessedness, they try obtaining it through other means, through selfish means, through sinful means, through evil means, and they will simply end up in the opposite end of Psalm 1, what it's talking about. They are not going to end up as the blessed man. They are simply still stuck in the aspect of living in wickedness. And so as I was putting this all together, I realized that this is a, a, a great recipe for understanding how to have a miserable life. <laughs> if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, if you stand in the way of sinners, and if you sit in the seat of scoffers, well, life is going to be pretty miserable. It might be comfortable. It really might be because honestly... Evil living does have momentary comfort. For the right here and the right now, it can be really, really nice. There are momentary treasures to be found in choosing to satisfy yourself, but it doesn't last. As Psalm goes on to say, it, it's like chaff. The people themselves, the wicked themselves are like chaff. This is the, the piece of the grain that falls off when it is being used for the purpose it was intended for. If you go to the grain, the rest of the stock just ends up falling apart and it has no substance and it's just carried off by the wind. So Psalm 1 starts off, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, looking right at that, I, it, that sounds wonderful. 
I want to live a vibrant, fruit-filled life. I, I want to not wither. I want to prosper in all that I do. And there's a very clear path as to how to achieve that. And it's not by uh, whispering little chanty things over a three by five card. It's, well, let's look at that. All right. So we know that to have a miserable life, we, all we need to do is walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers. We understand that because it is so clearly juxtaposed against that, which is a blessed man's life. And the blessed man meditates day and night on the law of the Lord. Now, meditation is looking deeply into the understanding of God's words. Let's go ahead and do that as we take a look at this ingredient, these ingredients as to how to have a miserable life. So the counsel, the counsel of the wicked, the counsel is simply words of advice, being able to consider something. Um, if you're standing in the way of sinners, that's a path of living, participating in those, um, those words of advice. And if you're going to sit in the seat of scoffers, sitting is, is essentially joining the table of those who are giving that advice. But we understand that it's the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers that are offering these counsels. So looking at wickedness, it is serious, serious evil. Sinners are those who are breaking the law of God and scoffers are those who brag about the evil doing. So this is a progression of evil living and we're becoming more and more fixed in the evil choices and not just, not just being influenced being that we start off considering the advice of the wicked, but then choosing that path of wickedness. We're not just being influenced, but we're becoming an influencer. We make our home in evil. We sit right there at the table. Oh, golly, that is not the place we want to be. That is a path of destruction. And yet we compare that to, oh, how happy is the man who doesn't get sucked into that progressive evil. Blessed is the man. Now, blessed is used 26 times in the Psalms, and there's a number of them that are, um, oh, they're all just rich, but here's a couple of them. In Psalm 32, one through two, blessed is used as the state of your heart when you are forgiven. In Psalm 34, verse 4, taste and see that the Lord is good and our blessedness comes from living in him. Psalm 66, verse 4 is the blessing that comes when we are dwelling in God's courts, being perfectly satisfied in him. Psalm 89, 15 is when we're walking in the light of God's face, having God's smile shine upon us. That is blessedness. And as a blessed man, we delight in the law of the Lord, not just doing the right thing, but loving the right thing and being deeply content in the Lord and realizing that we all were at one point, we were all walking in the counsel of the wicked. We were all standing in the way of sinners. We were all sitting in the seat of scoffers, were it not for grace and as the man who was walking and standing and sitting in the evil way, but now we live in light of the salvation of our righteous redeemer, we can rejoice in our rescue. 
And if that rescue is ever in our thoughts and forefront in our minds, we will have a daily and an hourly recollection of God's law and delving into his truth and living in his righteousness will result in a constant meditation of his heart as revealed in his law. Delight in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, I want to prosper. I want to be evergreen. I want to produce fruit at all times. But this fruit is not my comfort. This fruit is not my ego. This fruit is looking like the one who redeemed me. Um, and, oh, and to go back to the aspect of meditation, meditation is really, really sticky, a sticky word these days, because so often we hear about the Eastern meditation, and that is an emptying of the mind. But biblical med meditation is a filling of the mind. The biblical idea of meditation is fixing your mind on the truth, and we must use that term of meditation because the Bible uses that term. And yet we cannot delight in the law of the Lord unless we know the law of the Lord. And quite honestly, we cannot know the law of the Lord without Jesus. Knowing the law is not simply understanding what the Ten Commandments have written on them. It is a heart's recognition of the authority of God over our lives. And that comes with the quickening of the Holy Spirit to, to, to help us to understand what we cannot obtain for ourselves. And in that recognition, there is a grief and a strickenness and a rending of our hearts, understanding that with, as we are next to that law, we are broken and we are inadequate. But Jesus took the curse that our disobedience deserves so that, so that in Jesus, God will delight in us. And then we can then delight in the law because the law is no longer a despair that we are in sin. The law is a beautiful juxtaposition between condemnation and grace. And we are on the saving side of that line. So Psalm 1 is the cornerstone of the rest of the Psalms and it creates it. My word of the day apparently is juxtaposition because Psalms 1 creates a beautiful juxtaposition between evil and righteousness. And it compares the blessed life of the man who loves the Lord and the destruction of the man who chooses his own way. And, and there's a clear distinction between the two. The righteous man is not just the last man standing, but there is a flourishing that is evident and vibrant. We stand in front of the law condemned. And then we stand behind Christ at the foot of God and we are judged by God's, by Jesus's merit. And in that, it can, it, it will stir within us a delight for our rescue as hinged, as needed, as necessarily, as necessary um, by what the law is. 
And so as we are delighting in the law of the Lord, it is not because we are condemned by it, but because Jesus has perfectly satisfied the law for us. And when we are saved, we cannot help but respond with a desire to know and understand our Savior. And in that, it is so natural to turn around and meditate on Him. And therein lies the blessedness. That state of heart as being forgiveness, of being forgiven, we are blessed. We are blessed when we see that the Lord is good when we live in Him. We are blessed when we dwell in Him, perfectly satisfied. We are blessed because God smiles on us. And we delight in the law of the Lord. And as always, delighting in the law of the Lord is a continual process, progression, and praise opportunity to know Him more. Thank you so much for investing a part of your day here. If you found value in this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the show as it allows me to better serve others. And if you know of someone who would be encouraged by today's topic, I would be honored to have you share it with them. You're also welcome to visit kristenhunt.com for more encouragement as we journey to know him more. Thank you.